All right. Hey, good morning, church. Uh, this is uh, our, our final week of our series, uh, Beloved, and, and uh, I'm excited as we uh, uh, think about uh, closing this well, uh, applying this uh, series to our life. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, uh, the, the change of seasons is helpful for me a little bit as we've gone into now this kind of summer season, this sense of finish line and kind of a, maybe a little bit of a new beginning for some of us. Others of us are just still uh, moving, moving straight along. But you, you have this, you can feel uh, that the way that life kind of presses in on you and it can feel like everything in life matters at, at the kind of same intensity. But the more you start to, to press on those things, you realize that some things matter more than others. Uh, I, just a, a simple example of this for me lately has been, I've been studying time and effort and efficiency, uh, trying to think a little bit about how to create for myself and what I'd call an ideal week. How do I plan out my week? All the things that I have to do. I have, I have a, a, an enormous list of things that I have to do. There's a lot of things I want to do. There's a lot of things I need to do. And trying to think about how do I craft a week that makes sense for me? And one of the things I've discovered is not all hours are created equally. Uh, there are times in the day where I am more productive. Uh, I, I never thought I would, I would become this, but I actually am a morning person. I actually am more productive, more focused. I get better things done in the, in the first hours of the morning than later on. In the afternoon, I'm useless. Like, uh, I, 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 it's probably the best time for me to be talking with people because I get drowsy. I, uh, uh, I, I need to like, be engaged like, in conversation. If I sit in front of a computer or do something like that, it's not going to be uh, good for me. And so I've learned to protect early morning hours to write and study and, and do all those kinds of tasks. And then to craft the inter, uh, later parts of my day to be more engaged with people, people that will make me laugh and smile and have conversations and, and do those kinds of things. And so I'm learning that not all hours are created uh, equally, that some hours matter more. Uh, this has been interesting then to take that principle and think about this, this series. Because we began this series with this idea that uh, you are being formed. Your identity is being formed. And there are all kinds of things influencing the, the forming of who you are and how you see yourself. Uh, and through all those voices, all those influences, uh, we've been trying to press on you that there is a voice that matters more. There is an opinion that matters more. Not all these voices are created equally. And that the, the idea behind this month is to help you see yourself as God sees you in Christ. That in Christ, you have been adopted into God's family. That God sees you as his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. That, that he is well pleased to say, my kingdom is yours. It, it is your inheritance. I, you belong to me. Call me daddy. Uh, and so we began kind of seeing the beginning roots of this part of our identity. But then we began to see that this begins to explore in even deeper ways, that God sees something in us that others do not see. People see us through externals, but God looks at our heart. He chooses us. He calls to us. He whispers to us things that for him are of good pleasing, the ways that he wants to use us. And other people may not see it, but he sees what it is and why it is that he would choose us. And in last week, we began to see again that, that his love for us, it, it is immeasurable in, in, it, in its capacity. 
That, that if you try, try as you might, try, uh, the, the writer of Scripture says, Paul writes to the Ephesian church, try your best to, to know God's love, how high and wide and deep and long it is. And he says, it really, it's beyond comprehension. You can't really take it all in. But he doesn't want you just to know about it and say, yes, I know I'm loved by God. He wants you to be immersed in it, to feel it, to sense it, to know it in your soul that you are loved with this expansive, I, I would say, this tidal wave of love. I, I was trying to imagine it in some ways. You ever stood uh, on a, maybe a camping trip or a vacation? Ever stood underneath like a waterfall, like a little cute water? Like, oh, look how scenic it is. And you take the picture and it's just kind of hitting you. Uh, try standing. Can you imagine what it would be like to try to stand underneath Niagara Falls? Like, I, I mean, and, and now go even bigger than that. that. I mean, that's what we see. This is the kind of stuff that we are seeing. The immensity and the power of God's love for us. It is beyond trying to stand underneath a, a waterfall like Niagara Falls, the, 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 the uh, sheer magnitude of what it is he has for us. And so all these voices say to us, perform, be like this. You'll have value if you're this. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. push all those things aside. Let me tell you how I see you. Let me tell you how I feel about you. Let me tell you how I want you to see yourself. And in many ways, what we've tried to do this uh, month is to uh, establish a foundation. In fact, uh, when he says this, when, he, uh, when Paul wrote, as we saw last week, when he says, I want you to know this love, he says it for two reasons. He says, I want you to be rooted in it. So imagine these roots going down deep, like that you can, you can stand and be secure. He, he, uh, he wants us to be... Uh, a, a, a sense of foundation from it. So rooted, established in this love. And here's part why uh, I think it's valuable. As we go into the summer months, we're going to have a, a great uh, series. Uh, it begins next, next week. Uh, we, we've got an awesome speaker. I can't wait for you to hear uh, my friend Sean come and, and share with you next week. Uh, but we're going to be talking about where is God in the storms? Where is God when, when things are, are difficult? When we say, God, I need you. God, where are you uh, in these times? And so we're going to be looking at that over the, the uh, summer months at these hard seasons we go to, go through, and asking the question, how is God in it with us? And, and so we need to establish ourselves in the understanding, the firm understanding that God cares very, very deeply about us, that he sees us as, as dearly loved. We are his beloved children. And because that is so foundational and so important, one of the things that we begin to see is this, is that God loves us in this way, not because we've earned it, not because of any performance, not because of, of, of any external thing about us. He loves us uh, in this way that he now says, now this is the way I want you to love, that you're going to learn to love others in this same way I have loved you. And so the real transformation comes in us not only being loved, but now learning how to live in that love. And so let me give you a final big idea of what we're going to talk about uh, uh, today. Uh, but our final big idea is this, that as the beloved of God, do everything in love. Do everything in love. Uh, we're going to see this morning how important it is that we live out this love with others. And love is the telling sign that we belong to God, that we are his beloved, the way that we love others. Uh, it's not based on attractiveness or worthiness. No, as 
the beloved as those who have been deeply loved. We are so transformed by it, but we can't help but love others in the same way that we have been loved. And so I want to invite you to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, This is one of the, uh, it's an incredible passage. And if we're going to talk about as the beloved of God to do everything in love, I don't know if there's a better passage for us to look at. This is a passage maybe you, uh, you'll hear it uh, sometime this summer in a wedding. Uh, guaranteed. It was in my wedding. You might hear it in a memorial service. A lot of uh, kind of services or lofty events that we have, you'll hear this. I mean, it's beautiful poetry, and, and, and it, uh, I, I mean, when we hear, you'll hear these words, we're caught by it. But I, I want you to hear it the way it was, it was uh, designed to be hear, heard in the original. Remember, this is a letter written to a church. And so these words that we're hearing today are so valuable for us to hear in a context like this because they're they're words written to say to a church, hey, I want you to understand how to to be together, how to take care of each other, how to behave around each other. And so the words are very powerful because it's about us being us. And so I want us to try to hear them in that context today. There's nothing wrong with uh, all those other ceremonies and things like that. But as we see it in this context, it is rather powerful uh, to see. But we're going to see this, that life without love is nothing. It's worse than nothing. Maybe in some ways we might see. uh, But we'll also see both what love is, what is not, and what love does. And so let's read together. Starting in verse 1, it says this, that he says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the beginning of verse 8 says, and love never fails. Incredible, incredible words. Uh, One of the most beautiful sections of scripture. But think about how dramatic it begins. Think of how how drastic the the, uh, first idea is. uh, That he's saying this, that without love, our efforts are meaningless. Our efforts are meaningless. So uh, chapter 13 is following chapter 12. And in chapter 12, what the, uh, Paul has done in writing to the church is to reveal something pretty incredible. And that is that in Christ, they have been filled with God's spirit and through the spirit, they've been given gifts and abilities and talents. These spiritual gifts are to be used to the glory of God, to build the church, to, to reach the world. And, and as you read it, you read uh, something, I mean, imagine uh, being in that first audience and hearing this, that he's saying, look, 
The Spirit is working in all of you in a unique way, and you all have gifts and abilities. The Spirit has decided in whatever unique way to give you what the Spirit has decided to give you. Use them well. We're going to change the world through it. And then he comes to chapter 13. He says, now, before you think you're all that, let me help you get some perspective and you notice what he does in these first three verses. He takes you through kind of those gifts being used to really to their highest points and helps them see, but if you don't have love, they're useless. It's worthless. The, the first picture is uh, uh, such a dramatic picture, this idea that uh, without love, you'll offend others. He says you'll be like a, 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 a gong or a symbol. And in the pagan worship of their time and the places that they were, that was what was used in services. So if you were uh, walking down streets, you might hear just that, that bang, 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 bang. And, and the, the way that they were used was either to, to beckon a God, to kind of raise awareness and attention for a God to come to them, or to drive out a demon. And so uh, it, not a very intimate uh, instrument to be used. Uh, if if, if uh, any of you are thinking of proposing using a gong or symbol, I, can, I, can I talk you out of it? Uh, one note, no ability for melody. Uh, if, if Paul was going to write it today to us, I wonder if he would say this, you sound like your neighbor's chirping dog right? You know how it is like late at night when you're, you're especially I, the uh, higher the pitch, the worse, right? And, and you are la- at late at night when you start hearing a dog bark, yip, 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 yip. for whatever reason, at first you try to, ah, oh, my neighbor's dog. And then after 20 minutes, you flip over and then another 10 minutes, you put a pillow on top of your head. And then you start to think about um, which hand you're going to strangle the dog with. And then all these kinds of, it, go, it goes to all kinds. And you don't like who you're becoming, right? You're so irritated by who you're becoming. Do I call the police? Am I that person? Am I that neighbor? And the whole time, all this, this frustration, right? He says, this is what you're like. You're just, you're obnoxious to people. If you have all these gifts in all these ways, but you do not love, people will find you obnoxious. He goes on to say, notice that not only are you obnoxious, you, you are nothing, you gain nothing. And each of the verses, it gets more and more dramatic, even until you come to the end in verse 3, where you see the most uh, uh, incredible examples of self-sacrifice, but you see the heart behind the self-sacrifice, that I'm willing to do all these things really what? To... to to bring attention onto myself. And he says, if that's the purpose, you gain nothing. Gifts, abilities, talents, sacrifice, they're all things that matter, but love matters more. And so as God's beloved, do everything in love. Now, now the picture that he gives, and starting in verse four though, is he helps us see that love is not self-serving, but it's focused on others. Love seeks the well-being of others. Uh, and so you see that the love that, that Paul is explaining, he begins to give these conc- this concrete expression of what love looks like. And in every uh, word, you see these active verbs. Uh, they're, they're present, they're active. It, it's, love is not just an emotion. It, it lives itself out in our behavior. It lives itself out in the things that we do. It's not just an idea it is, it is to act. To love is to act. And anything short of this action falls short of love. 
And we see ultimately is this idea, what you see is that love acts on behalf of others. It behaves in a certain way. And so the word there is uh, this Greek word agape, uh, this idea. There's a lot of different words for love, but this word for love is the most common word used in the New Testament. Over a hundred times this word is used. And so we, do, we see in English love, 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 but in Greek what you see is this word agape, and it describes this kind of love that means this, that to seek the well-being of another and really not to expect anything in return. And so the idea is the way that it describes God's love for us and then how we are to, to love as well, that we love unconditionally. Not, there's no condition attached. I'm not loving so I get something in return. I'm loving because you are deserving of love. This is how God loves us and this is how God calls us to love others. Agape love is determined to seek the highest good in another person. And so we begin to see what love is not. Now we're seeing what love is, uh, and we see all these different uh, characteristics of it. And all of it, we realize, is the same way that we have encountered Jesus, this, this, this collision with him and his love how he has shown himself and revealed himself to us with patience and kindness. That, that he hasn't been self-seeking, but he has come into this world on behalf of us, that there's no pride, even though he's king. There's no boasting. There's no keeping record of, of our wrongs. He, he forgives our sin. He wipes it away. He cleanses us from it. He doesn't hold it against us. There's this beautiful uh, uh, idea of forgiveness that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. That word just is really important because it means this, that once he's forgiven you and you keep coming back to him and saying, I'm so sorry, I, I know I told you I was sorry, but I just feel so bad about it. It would be unjust for him to say, that's right, you did that and I'm not gonna let you forget it. The idea of justice there is he says, no, I've forgiven it. I don't hold it against you anymore. It would be unjust for me to say I've forgiven you and then still hold it against you. This is who he is, and this is what we've encountered. And so the call for us is, as God's beloved, we've been loved in this way to love others in the same way. We seek the well-being of others. But ultimately, what you see in these seven verses is this, is that this is what must characterize us. Love must characterize us. We must be known by these things and so you begin to see this kind of whole 360-degree view of desires and thoughts and ultimately, of course, actions. But every, every verse, uh, uh, every word, present, active, continuous, the idea that not just that we would do it once, but this really is who we are becoming, that, that, that uh, our character is marked by patience and kindness, by, by not holding things against people. This is how we are known. Uh, last night, uh, we, uh, our family uh, celebrated with my wife's dad. Uh, he, he got married. He's 77, and I've known him uh, for like 35 years, I think. And I thought, this, will never, this guy will never get married, nor should he ever get married again. God bless him. Uh, but Margie came into his life, swept him off his feet, talking about patient, kind, all those things. And uh, uh, they got married. They, we, we hosted a reception for Tim and Margie last night. And so the Stafiris were kind of like all over the place. Uh, Rebecca and Andrew were up at the front doing a photo booth. Trevor was the DJ. I'm uh, running around telling, doing whatever my wife tells me to do. And of course, my wife's kind of running the show. She's doing all of it. 
at the end of the night, it was, it was a very interesting comment uh, was made to me. Uh, one of her uh, uh, family members uh, came to me at the end of the night, and he was leaving and just saying, you know, just doing pleasantries. And he said, you know, Bill, and he is an outspoken atheist. He, we've had conversations, philosophical, theological, all these things are as long as I've known him. But he stopped and said this. He said, Bill, you've got a great family. And, and what I saw tonight is I understand your faith a little bit better. You, you live out your faith. And I really appreciate that. A lot of the people I'm around, they talk about their religion, but they don't live it. But tonight, I just was reminded how much I enjoy your family. Your family lives out their faith. And I was really touched by it when I, I mentioned it to uh, Kimberly. She was like, wow, you have no idea. Like, he does not say that kind of stuff. Like, that, that's a profound thing for him to say. But it struck me afterwards that this ultimately is, uh, love has to characterize us. When people see us, it's not uh, our views and all these things, but ultimately what's going what's gonna to impress them and what Paul says here is that love is what must characterize us. I began to think about this. What, what would we want to be known for as a church? Well, I mean, you heard it. Like today, Lean for Camp, we have a generation, 40-plus years, of loving kids, loving youth as well as any church I can, I, I've ever heard of. Uh, we could be known for, hey, that's the great youth church. Uh, or it could be uh, programs. It could be the music. You could go, wow, Sandra, she leads the, the uh, opera at Biola. She's the lead in it. She is immensely talented. Wow, we have such talent. You should come here. Uh, how talented our performers are. It could be teachers, all these kinds of things. I love our class, our teacher. He's so smart. What She's so smart. Whatever it is, there's all kinds of things that we can be known for. But you, you look at a passage like this and you know very clearly what we must be known for. Love. Love. The way we treat people. The way we care. It doesn't mean that we won't have our, our differences in some ways, but there's a way that we somehow arrive at things together. There's a way that we deal with things in love. We must be known for love. We have been radically loved and as God's beloved, we are now called to do everything in love. Now, this passage, I think, is super important for us because of the timing of it, the way it hits us today. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, um, things are a little different today here at Beach Point. Uh, as you walked on the campus, you might have noticed some things look a little different than before. Uh, I would simply say we're about to enter into a unique uh, season, and the theme that we've been using uh, among our, our team is this, prepare for disruption. Prepare for disruption. Uh, two things are going to happen in this next season. First, as you heard, summer, summer here at Beach Point is crazy crazy. Uh, for a lot of you, I hope summer's a chance to slow down, go to the beach, get a tan, all that kind of stuff. Uh, here, we just kind of hit the gas. Uh, we do so many great things. But, but when you think about all the things that we're doing, uh, you realize you cannot do these things apart from love. Uh, sacrifices have to be made to do what we're doing. We are 15 days from today away from our vacation Bible school, over 500 kids that are going to uh, be a part of all the things going on all over, both on this campus and over at Tamura. Uh, but to do all this, uh, you begin to think about it. 
I mean, we've got the, the Capri Suns are chilling on ice. Uh, uh, some of you, like trained warriors, are getting your gear already. You're, I don't know how some of, I, I, typically, some of you like have to cut your t-shirt in all the right size strips and sleeves and all, like you're, you're getting yourself prepared. Uh, even today, your, your face paint is all perfectly set in, in, in the right rhythm of how the layers are going to go. You are set to go. And as a parent, I would simply say this. What I've learned that I have my last uh, child going through her last year. In fact, she gave me a ton of grief. Why did you do a construction project during my last year of VBS? She was like, Dad. So my last kid going through VBS. But I can say as a parent, and any of you as parents know this, man, it is a labor of love. The people, all of you, it takes hundreds. Literally, there's over 200 of you behind the scenes or on the front lines that are making this happen. It is incredible what happens uh, in our vacation Bible school. But I, I, what I see, why, why is it so great? Because you love. You love kids. You love uh, your coworkers. You love what the families that come. And it is so incredible because of that. Why, why is it going to work this year? Not because the, the logo's better or the music's great, which they all are, uh, but because I know you're committed to loving kids, to loving families, and I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, you heard today that we're uh, leaving for our first of four camps uh, today, our middle school camp. Uh, we have over 400 uh, kids through young adults that will be involved in some kind of camp uh, this summer, which means what? A lot of sunburns, a lot of chap lips, a lot of sleep deprivation, uh, an, an abnormal amount of s'mores that have to be consumed. Um, but all these things... Amazing things happen at camp. We believe so much in camp. One, because seeds get planted. Uh, People experience the gospel for the very first time. They hear the story of what God has done through Jesus. I can remember the very first winter camp I went to. I I barely started kind of attending Beach Point, and I went. I, I went to this camp, and I remember thinking to myself, "What is happening here?" I was in the presence of something happening, and I turned to my youth leader and I and I said, "Hey, what's going on? It's getting weird in here." And he kind of just laughed and said. We'll figure it out together. We'll just be on this journey. And I just, all I knew is I could sense God's spirit was there. I didn't know how to put my finger on it and didn't know how to explain it. I just could sense God was doing something in this group of people. Seeds get planted, but beyond seeds being planted, it's an incredible season of harvest. Uh, our our uh, kids and youth workers, our young adult leaders, they, they work so hard all year long and they see things that they've worked on all year long come to this, th- these harvest points. Uh, people making decisions to follow Christ. Uh, I remember that from my very first summer camp, committing that. My very last summer camp, deciding to go into full-time ministry. Uh, up, at, up at Thousand Pines, there's, a, there's a, uh, a prayer book that you can write your decisions in. And uh, the last time I was up there, I was reading about some of our own people. Justin and Ryan, who lead our high school ministry. Uh, uh, three, I was reading about some of the, the other, the, some of the young people who made decisions to go into ministry who are now uh, youth pastors at other churches, two in the city and, and my son who's uh, uh, out in Palos Verdes, reading about these, these uh, young people and the things that God is doing. Why does it happen? Why do we have such fruit? Because of love. Uh, these leaders who take a week a vacation time they could they could be spending on themselves and they give a week to these students and they sleep in these bunks and they smell these smells and they do all these things and they do it all in love 
I love camp, but I'll be honest with you, I loved it a lot more as a youth pastor than a senior pastor. When I was 15, I didn't think it was a big deal that my senior pastor went to camp. At 49, I think it's a really big deal that the senior pastor goes to camp. Like, I'm like already like, whew, trying to get myself all prepped for it. Okay, we could camp. And I'm excited and I can't wait to spend time with your, your kids uh, at camp. Um, but that means things like I won't preach as much this summer. We've got a great team. I'm excited about that. But I appreciate that the church allows that to happen. I don't get uh, guilted uh, in, in corner. People like, you know, we pay you to do this. Uh, I get a chance that the church realizes, no, this is, this is the better act of love. Be with our students. Get to know them. Be their pastor as well as ours. There's something quite powerful about this. And so as we begin to think about this, I, I'm very, very excited. Summer is crazy. But as God's beloved, let's, let's attack this summer in love. Let's really love people and look for ways that we can keep loving people. But as crazy as summer is, summer is crazy, but building projects are crazier. So I even have my own hard hat here just to get through uh, this season. So you and I know this. Here's the challenge of this next season is prepare for disruption. It's going to get nuts here. Uh, now, I just want to remind you of the very, very cool stories that keep coming up. So here's a cool story I can't even put on. I, let alone, this is why they don't even let me touch anything that would be building. I can't even put the vest on. <laughs> All right. So there's, last week we told you this story. Good grief. Does this come with an owner's manual? All right. This is obviously for your head, I think. All right, so last week we were telling you this great story about the, the canopy and how it went down to Mexico. So you got to hear this. If you haven't heard it already, we used to have a modular building right here. I don't know if you noticed, it's gone. Uh, 16 hours on Friday, they carted it away. Now, I want to thank all of you who offered to haul it away with your, uh, your sledgehammer and, and uh, pickup truck. Uh, but it was going to cost us uh, $10,000 to have it professionally removed and demolished and all those kinds of things. And so they came up with a great idea put it on Craigslist. Sure enough, someone called us. They, are looking, they were looking to relocate. A guy was looking to relocate his dad. And so he contacted us. They worked out all the details. He paid to have it all removed. We didn't have to pay for anything. He is going to refurbish it. I know some of you are thinking, why would you? It doesn't sound like an act of love to put your dad in that thing. Um, <laughs> he's going to refurbish it, he promised me, but he was really excited. But I just look at that as another great uh, uh, moment for us to, to think about. You know, these are just little signs of, of some cool things happening. But, but here's what I want to help you see that I think is really important. Y we're going to lose vision during this time. Today's exciting. You can walk on, wow, look at the fences, and then you kind of feel like you're in a maze or whatever it is. Today, it's novelty. It feels okay. But guess what? It's going to take months for us to finish this. It's going to get annoying. You're going to feel the pressure of this. And what I want you to understand is this, that uh, you'll be tempted to lose vision. Uh, don't forget why we're doing this. We are not, we are not building buildings. Uh, we are building disciples. We are building leaders. We are building missionaries to go all over the world. Uh, we, these are facilities. They facilitate things that are going to happen. We are going to do things in these rooms uh, uh, for that purpose. And so I, I want you to see that. Uh, the, the, I, I want you to understand this, that not only that, you're going, to, you're going to get over the hype. At some point, this is going to be work for us. You're going to be tempted to grumble. Now, if you don't know how God feels about grumbling, 
for the summer, I would encourage you to read the story of the Exodus and the story of God bringing his people into a promised land and all the grumbling that went place. I want to protect you from the things that happen to grumblers, okay? It's not, it's never good. It's never good. But here's the thing, here's the thing I think that concerns me the most. And, and uh, as I think about it, is this, you will be tempted to check out. So I was talking to my dad about this, and he goes to a church about 30 minutes away, and he said, you know, we went through a project like this, and he said 25% of our church just stopped coming. They said, oh, we'll come back once it's all done. And that was kind of the approach. It's too inconvenient. I don't like the new place. I don't want to have to do this. Eh. The grumbling and the checking out, we'll come back. Some did, some didn't. But he said during that season, it was very clear that something had changed. Uh, This next month is going to require love. Uh, You and I are going to be out of our routine. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, as you think about this, can I I invite you to something? Uh, Let me give you a word that will help us during these next months. And the word is engage. Instead of checking out, I want to ask you to engage. When we planted the Huntington Beach Church, we asked for four things from our core team. Commit to Sunday mornings, commit to life group, commit to serve, and commit to being generous in your, in your giving. That's the only way we'll be able to build this and go. And, and what has happened over there is we have built an amazing core team. There's about 100 solid uh, core folks. We started about 40 there's about 100 core people. There's about 150 plus that are coming, but there's about 100 locked into all those commitments And as a result, they are doing some amazing things. This church is up and going and is impacting the city in ways that we we never even dreamt were possible. Incredible things. So here's what I need. Uh, As far as the Fountain Valley campus goes, we, we we need a core team. And for a lot of us, we've just been coming. We're, just, we're, we're comfortable. We kind of got our rhythm. But can, can I invite us in this season? I, I need a core team. We need a core team here of people who are engaged. And so can I ask the same four things from you? Will you, will you commit to being engaged, to coming and being in worship? Now, here's what I know. Number one, you can listen to better music online and much better speakers online. If you wanted just teaching and music, you could just stay home and listen to it on whatever device you wanted to. But something happens when we are together. This is why God says, do not neglect this time. When we are in the room, when together we are saying, God, please show up. And he is here in a powerful way where, where not just he's among us, but where we've said, God, you, you have permission to speak and teach and convict and do the things you must do. And when we sense it, and we were saying, man, did you, you, did you feel the way that God was just working today? He was, he was really impressing something upon us. You cannot get that somewhere else. You, you, this comes with us being together. Life groups, I know a lot of them are taking the summer off, but even though some of your life group may be taking the summer off or maybe you're not in a life group yet, they're going to re-engage at the end of this uh, summertime. And trust me, we will still be building at that time. Uh, But during that, this time, what I can encourage you to do would be to sit together. Come in and sit together because the things that we're going to talk about in summer, sometimes you're going to, some of the topics that are going to come up, are, you're going to say, man, I, I need someone to talk to. I need someone to connect with. And you want your group around. Commit to a group. Commit to serve. You even have a, an opportunity right in your bulletin, a way to help out our vacation Bible school. Fill that out. Immediate chance for you to do something. 
You can go on beachpoint.com slash serve and find a way to serve. And last, I just want to encourage you, would you give generously to, to this, your time, your talent, your treasure? Give generously during this time that we continue to do this. One of the amazing things about the fact that we're, we're doing what we're doing right now is the fact that a group of people, if you don't know what Daring Faith is, there's uh, brochures out there, but we started this over two years ago. Uh, you... Friends, you guys have given over $2 million, uh, maybe even higher, maybe close to, getting close to $3 million, right? Close to there. Uh, that's, a, that's crazy money, okay, over the last three years. And our budget has gone up each year. You guys are very generous people, and that allows us to be the church that we are and do the things that God invites us to. Just don't stop doing that. You, you are incredible when you live generously, and we see it and experience it. But here's what I hope. If we can live as an engaged group together, we will look back on this season and we'll actually kind of think, man, that was, this, that was a special time together. Now, we may say, I don't want to do it again ever like that. But it was a special time for us together. Because here's what I do know. At the end of the day, if we raise two, three, four, five, ten million dollars, but have not love, we gain nothing. If we build buildings that draw the envy of everyone from miles around, but we have not love, we have accomplished nothing. And so my hope and prayer at the end of the season is that uh, we'll simply say this, uh, let it be said of us, they built in love. They built in love. And so here's what I want to invite us to do. At the, uh, we've been signing a bunch of contracts. Can we do a verbal contract together in response to this passage? Would you stand with, with me? There's no way we can uphold our part apart from God's help. I'm not asking you to do this in your own power. I'm just simply asking you to make yourself to, available to God to say, Lord, with your help, I will... I will seek to be obedient to you. The first is an agreement of heart. It's a response to 1 Corinthians 13. It's being true to God's word. And so I want to ask you, with God's help, will you commit to be impatient and kind during this time of construction? And with his help, will you commit to not uh, envying or boasting or being proud? Will you commit to no dishonoring of others or being self-seeking, of easily, uh, being easily angered or keeping a record of wrongs? With God's help, will you protect and trust and hope and persevere? If this is your heart, answer, I will. The second is an agreement of engagement. It's us being the church that we think God has called us to be, to love God and one another and the world. And to do that, we have to practice things. And so with God's help, will you agree to be engaged in helping Beach Point move forward during this exciting but challenging time by regularly attending being involved in a life group, serving others, and using your time, talents, and treasure to expand our capacity to impact others. If this is your heart, answer, I will. Let's pray. And so God, as we hear, uh, as we have heard this month, how much you love us, help us now in this season, especially to just live out our life in love. We do this to bring you honor and glory as you deserve. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.